Mini episode 1342 of the FBH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1342. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here, and I have... Two fellow original dignitaries with me today, and uh, this has gotten to be an annual rite of passage on the show here as the NFL Draft comes up to talk about NFL Draft with our senior editor, Jason Jones, who is our point man for NFL Draft coverage, uh, and particularly what you will be seeing in Pro Football Draftology 2021, available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com April 26th and thereafter. Uh, as well as uh, Chris Galloway, fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary. The three of us have had this nice little panel going here, uh, previewing the draft and looking back for uh, many, many years now. I don't remember the exact year that we started with this uh, format of the three of us, but uh, it is always one of the highlights of the year of our coverage. A uh, pleasure to get them both on. Uh, Chris Galloway, I've uh, had you on to be talking uh, football a decent amount in the last year, as has been the norm the last couple of years. Good to get you back on, buddy. Thrilled to be here, Rick. Um, another year, another draft. And, of course, this year's draft is right here in our hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. It is indeed. Uh, I was downtown. Uh, I, I was actually uh, down getting my uh, vax at the uh, Wolstein Center, and uh, my dad drove me down there. Uh, he was kind enough so that I wouldn't have to park, and kind enough to drive down afterwards. I got to get a picture of the stage. I got out, took a picture of some of the helmets uh, that were down there. And uh, to, to, to the question that you asked me, uh, Chris, no, I didn't have the presence of mind to urinate on a Steeler helmet. I only wish I had. Uh, it might have horrified some of the younger kids in the area. And uh, I might be doing this uh, segment from somewhere in police custody right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, that was... I think before this thing is over, someone's going to do it. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 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 somebody's going to call me on it if I say this. But I have the temptation to say that I want to go post bail. So that that is, uh, that is something that... Uh, I would uh, be very interested to see uh, if anybody does that or not. Also have on the line here a good friend, uh, fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary and FDH senior editor, Jason Jones. Jason, good to have you back in, buddy. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always great to uh, get on here with you two guys, and uh, there is a lot to look forward to in the draft this year. As Chris said, it is in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, albeit, again, uh, this is something, I'll just get it out of the way. I'm more than a little bit butthurt that they're bringing the watered-down pandemic version of it here. They're going to claim that everything is normal. It's not going to be, we should have six figures worth of people thronging the streets for the uh, draft the first couple of nights there. We're not going to have that. We're not going to have what we would have if they brought it here in a couple of years. But the NFL's got an NFL. Mayor Frank Jackson's got a Mayor Frank Jackson. And so here we are. It's going to be here. 
Uh, you're welcome, Cleveland, as I guess everybody's attitude from the NFL. But uh, it is, I do have to say this, uh, regardless of uh, what the pandemic circumstances are going to be, a very, very good draft class top to bottom. And this is a thing where, uh, again, from our draft guide, the position uh, rating here, I, I always handle the uh, position rating every year. I will tell you this because it's a grade out of seven here. No positions rated horrible, none rated poor, none rated below average. So we start at average. Offensive guard, defensive tackle, inside linebacker, good. Running back, defensive end, safety, very good. Outside linebacker, cornerback, great. Quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle. Now, as far as the panelists here, your mileage may vary on how much my fellow panelists agree with me on that, but I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, thoughts on a draft that it seems like top to bottom uh, is going to be very, very good and maybe looked upon as one of the better, deeper draft classes in many years. As always, that comes with an asterisk, right? I mean, we never know until a few years later. But I agree with you in assessing the overall talent and quality uh, of this class top to bottom. It is a very deep draft. And I know some years we just, you know, we look at it and go, boy, uh, it's not. But this year, I, I really do feel when I look at um, all these positions from top to bottom, uh, it's it's a very deep draft and and I will tell you just as a an aside now that we the quality of players coming into the league I think is probably an all time high um, in terms of their development at the collegiate level um, you know and that starts obviously way all the way down to Pop Warner anymore in these days but I think that you know look for the NFL to start talking sometime in probably six to eight years. I think we're going to see an expansion um, of the league with additional teams coming in because there is enough talent now um, available to rosters and even starting quarterback uh, caliber talent um, to be able to expand the league. And, and I think they will start, uh, they will start working on that and something that probably would, you know, officially take place in probably about a decade, but, look for a few more teams because of this level of talent. You know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I agree with you. And my guess is uh, with the way that the NFL is about the almighty buck, you could probably cut that in about half. If we're not seriously talking about expansion in five years, based on what you just said, I'll be shocked. And uh, again, it will be interesting to see what cities will be jockeying for position. Uh, a lot of the usual suspects are off the table. Two teams in LA, a team in Las Vegas, but uh, the NFL is very good at ginning up uh, opportunities wherever. So uh, there will surely be candidates uh, sitting there waiting to go once we are looking at the next round of expansion. And uh, this is a thing where I know Jason and turning to you and uh, you of course being our, our lead person, our point person at fantasydrafthelp.com for the draft as far as going position by position, doing the ratings, doing the big board. Uh, this is a thing where I know you had to be somewhat taken aback as well in going through this at the fact that, again, are we saying every position is all-star depth? We are not. But usually you got at least one or two that are kind of sucking hindquarter. I mean, a lot of years inside linebacker might be below average just because it's not as great of a pool year to year in college football with the fact that I've got them rated at least as being an average crop. Uh, again, in my estimation, nothing worse than average at any position 
in the draft this year. And it's a chance for this to be a, a really good crop top to bottom. And potentially, maybe you could even put the word historic if everything pans out. Yeah, um, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Okay. Um, real quick, just wanted to mention for everybody in Cleveland that's going to enjoy the draft. After death and after sickness, my biggest frustration from this pandemic is the result of what you described with this draft. I know. Uh, because I was all in. I, I saved money. I was going to fly me and my nine-year-old out. You were going to stay with I mean, me. You were going to stay with me. Yeah, I was looking I mean, forward to it, Jason. I, I mean, I'm heartbroken. Uh, I'm angry. I'm legitimately angry I won't get to see you guys because they didn't save this for a better year. I'm angry. Yeah, because really the hope was I wanted him to see Cleveland for the first time happen yep. with all the festivities. And then, quite frankly, I, I was actually going to try to get us credentials and actually, you know, rub elbows and talk to people. But if there's, you know, half the, the guys we expect to be there aren't even going to be there. And the, the whole thing just feels so lacking. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little frustrated about that. I was all in, and it wasn't until about two months ago I said I just can't do it. <laughs> so, anyway, that, that's my piece on the draft um, in Cleveland. Uh, but if, you know, if we have a real one later down the road, that's still on the table. I hope. Um, but, yeah, as far as the, the depth of the position, it's very intriguing. Because none of them are bad, as you alluded to. You don't, if no matter what the position is, if you are a fan of a team and you need that one position, it can be had because everything is solid through the first 75 to 100 picks. Now, in some areas, maybe it's just how good Kyle Pitts looks, but I feel like after the third or fourth tight end, the bottom falls out. Yeah. Uh, safety, after the first few, the bottom falls out. But. If you need somebody, and that's the one somebody you need, I don't care who the team is, I don't care where you're picking, chances are you can fill that hole in this draft. Yes, you're right about that. And by the way, I'm glad you reminded me. I forgot to read it off that uh, tight end I had rated as uh, being good depth in the draft here. Because like you said, Pitts could be an all-timer, but then beyond him it gets a little bit thinner, although there are some other prospects there as well. There's still some nice and, ones, though. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some other players that, that definitely could uh, fill out and uh, could 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 lead to what has been a, a really improving crop of tight ends in the NFL the last couple of years. Of course, the marquee position any year at the draft, you're expected in any show like this to talk about it early, would be quarterback. And of course, uh, as everybody is known for a minimum of tw- 24 months now, Trevor Lawrence will be going first in the draft. Because the Jets failed to tank properly, he won't be going to the Jets. He'll be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars and to Urban Meyer, who is, uh, for the first time in his life, having to worry about managing a salary cap. Uh, He was uninhibited in that way in Columbus, some might say. (laughs) But uh, he's got to watch where the dollars go this time around. And... uh, you, you've got him going there, and then it's it's really just a complicated situation from that point on as far as how things go. I would have thought, like most people, uh, after the national championship semifinals, I would have thought that Justin Fields would have been a lock at number two. What more does this guy have to do? Look at the throws that this guy can make with beat-up ribs. Somehow or another, he's tumbling down the draft boards at this point in time. Because uh, Zach Wilson has been uh, the the world champion of silly season this year. Give him the belt. Zach Wilson has been the champion of this offseason. He'll go number two to the Jets almost certainly. Trey Lance at North Dakota State uh, is hoping, obviously, that people haven't watched the last couple of years of Carson Wentz. 
So uh, he is poised to go pretty high there. Mac Jones of Alabama, who, again, doesn't have an overwhelming arm, was propped up by incredible talent, skill position talent, historic talent at Alabama, might go number three to San Francisco, which uh, John Lynch is not as smart as I think he is if that happens. But it's a complicated uh, picture here at quarterback once you get past one or two, Chris. And it's a thing where, uh, again, this is a class that could be really, really good at quarterback. And based on the expectations of recent years, Justin Herbert and our guy, uh, Joe Burrow, the honorary Bobcat, uh, so these guys will be expected to come in and contribute right away. Yeah, I mean they're going to. I mean, unless you're, you know, unless you're picking Trey Lance, uh, you know, right? Those, those those top five guys. Your Trey Lance is a guy I think you, I mean, depending on the team, you're gonna you're gonna want to sit him for a year. Uh, you know, a redshirt sophomore out of North Dakota State. He played one game last season. Um, there's he just hasn't played enough football from a measurables you know physical um and apparently uh, you know intelligence wise he he's looks like he's you know the second coming of patrick mahomes but again that's all that's all ceiling speculation on that kid and and i think that if you're a gm and you're you're gambling your career on on that uh we know that in the last decade you know first round quarterbacks hit at about a it, the, the number has actually greatly improved in recent years uh, to about 40%. So that means of these five top guys, two of them are going to work and three aren't. And, and, and I mean, that's just, and that's just the, that's just the numbers tell us that now, you know, maybe this year, three out of the five do, but you know, look at the uh, few years ago, the Baker Mayfield draft, uh, you know, Baker's Baker's looking like he's coming along. Obviously Josh Allen has, done what many of us didn't think he could do, which is somehow get accurate at the pro level. Right. Um, and, you know, Lamar Jackson is, uh, I, you know, I know he was an MVP. I still don't believe in Lamar Jackson uh, long-term in this league. Uh, but kudos to the Ravens for, for being willing to completely design their offense around him. Right. Um, to your point, you know, I, I would ask you at any point during this season did did anybody on this uh, on the show today when they watched Mac Jones this year say Man, that's a that's a top ten guy right there he's a top ten NFL draft um, I know I didn't and um, to that end I refuse to believe that the 49ers gave up so much to move up to number three and take Mac Jones. I just don't believe it. I do not believe it. I have to think that they're taking Justin Fields in that that pick. I know the media is convinced themselves that it's Mac Jones. I just don't see it. Well, Chris, um, you know, seemed, it, it just does not fit in my my brain. It does not. It doesn't fit. I mean, and here's the thing, Chris, and you might think this is a little unfair because I know you're a Jimmy G guy, but I mean, you got Jimmy G. Do you, do you want to trade up that much for maybe another Jimmy G? Because I don't see the ceiling on Mac Jones being that great either. No, I mean, other than maybe a little more durable. Yeah. Um, you know, size-wise, uh, you know, he's a little more stout. Um, you're right. He's Jimmy G in terms of ceiling. Okay. And Jimmy G has been fine if he can stay healthy and on the field. Sure. Right? But obviously San Francisco has said, sorry, man, we don't believe in your ability to stay healthy and stay on the field for us. And so we're going to move on. 
So, uh, in speaking to Baker Mayfield, that's who Zach Wilson reminds me of, a more athletic version of Baker Mayfield. And a better arm, to be uh, fair. To, a better arm on the deep throws. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Baker's got an arm. So Well, I, Wilson's I got a pretty elite one, though. Wilson's, Wilson's supposed to be pretty elite. On that, I don't know what his accuracy is going to be necessarily, but he he can he can put it there better than most. When I, when I watch him, that's what he reminds. He just reminds me of two inches taller and a little more athletic than Baker. Okay, that's just who he reminds me of. So I um I think he can I think he can find a great deal of success in the league. Zach Wilson, of course, the only thing there is he's going to the Jets. Well, yeah, and so much like much like Sam Darnold, you know. And our Browns used to be, yep. right? Um, they're a dysfunctional, lousy organization. Have they got it right now in terms of their GM and their coach? Um, you know, they've got a forced marriage there as well. Yeah. So, you know, you know, uh, cross your fingers uh, for Zach Wilson. Um, but that organization can, can yeah. turn it around the way the Cleveland Browns have. But I got to think it's Justin Fields to San Francisco in that third pick. And then you're going to see some movement. Uh, and, 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 and that may end up being okay. The saving situation for a guy like Mac Jones, because he may now end up going as the fifth quarterback to be drafted, which is, he should be. Yeah. And he may go to a much better organization, right? Right. Like the Patriots or whatever. And give him a much better opportunity to succeed as a quarterback uh, in this league versus going to a, a lousy, dysfunctional organization like, say, oh, I don't know, the Jaguars. Well, yeah. Um, and, and, no, and no, I don't believe in Urban Meyer. Sorry. No, not believing that this is going to be a fun little thing for a few years, and suddenly he's going to have a headache and have to retire. <laughs> well, and he's... I don't believe in him. So. That's my take on the quarterback situation. I, I think there's some guys here that can play, um, and it's you know, like many years, it's just gonna it's gonna be who who picks them, yeah, and 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 do they develop them? You know, like a guy like Kyle Trask, I could see you know a Pittsburgh taking him in the fourth round, sure, third round, um, and trying to develop him. Yeah, he's an interesting developmental guy. A lot to unpack there. Two things, and then I want to redirect before I direct it to. To Jason, I want to follow up on something with you, but as far as it goes with the Jaguars, yeah, why Urban Meyer came back, and I didn't believe that he would until the rumors got very serious. The man needed to have holes drilled in his skull because of the pressure in it from, what is it, a cyst or whatever it is. I mean, why would you want to go through that again? You're making big bank from Fox Sports. Dumb move on his part, probably driven by ego. I agree that he'll probably live to regret it one way or another. The Jets thing, I like the coach. I don't like the GM. Like you said, shotgun marriage. They ruined Sam Darnold, who I thought was the best quarterback in that draft. And I remain unconvinced that in a sliding doors world, he wouldn't have been the best quarterback in that draft. So we'll, we'll see. I wanted him to the Browns at number one, and I remain un- unconvinced that the Browns couldn't have done what they did last year with Sam Darnold. I, you know, a bird in the hand. I'm glad to have Baker the way he's developing, but I don't back off what my thoughts were at the time. What I want to ask you, Chris, and then I'll put this to Jason before I ask Jason about quarterbacks overall, is the thing with Mac Jones, did he benefit from? Because, again, as stupid as it is, okay, like when you're doing a talk show, okay, then 
it's okay for us to find a narrative or whatever. But when NFL teams find narratives and NFL media and whatever, that to me is unforgivable because you're supposed to be going off of just more, things more scientific than that. I saw a narrative developing around Mac Jones based on what our guy, the honorary Bobcat, Joe Burrow, did the previous year, the guy who got me to buy the 740 t-shirt after last year's draft, and the whole thing of like, oh my God, he's finding another level like Joe Burrow did. And that's not what I saw. I mean, he had a heck of a year. But it's one thing to see somebody who's a great college quarterback and who, yes, has boosted his draft stock, but then, OMG, next Joe Burrow. I, don't, I thought that was out of place, Chris. I, I don't. I, I agree. I mean, it's a narrative, and it fits right. Na- national champion, great team around them, you know, similar size. I mean, Burrow's far more athletic yes. than Mac Jones. That um, and so I think you're right. It's you know I agree with you. I don't Mac Jones. I mean, look at the running backs he got to hand the ball off to. Look at his offensive line. Look right. At the, the the two two of his wide receivers are going to go in the top ten. Right. Well, Devontae Smith may last to like twelve or thirteen. Damn, but whatever. They're basically uh, two uh, top ten. <laughs> two top ten. Uh, well, somebody's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> two top ten, if you will, you know, wide receivers potentially. You know, I, I I I agree with you. He he did elevate his game. He looked good, but I ha- I look I watch those games and I say, how much of this is just? I mean, look, Matt Jones. Never went in any game he started. He never went into halftime trailing. Right, right. I mean, he there, that that's not learning how to struggle and win and overcome. Right. At all, right? I mean, it's just you know. So I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I get very nervous with quarterbacks that I look at and see skill level that appears relatively slightly above average, and everything around them is, is, is a literal Lamborghini. And you think, you know, that guy's, you know, well, he's a, he's well, an all-star, you know, I, yeah. I just, I'm with you on that point. Well, and, I, and, and I think the, the narrative, the analogy to Burrow is just, it's convenient and lazy. You yes, know, it is. SEC all-star teams, national champion. Oh, next level one year, you know, breakout season. He's going to be great. Eh, I don't see it. Right, right, right. I agree with that. And then also to, the only thing that could help him somewhat if he goes three is that the Niners, and I mean this in a complimentary way, are a fraudulent number three pick in the draft. They had the Super Bowl hangover. They had a whole boatload of injuries. And all things being equal, they're a playoff contender going into next year as it is. Pick up more or less where they left off previously. So, I mean, he's going to what is a better team than the number three team in the draft would generally be. And I know they traded up to that spot, but, I mean, even where they were, they were, they were picking higher than they should have been picking based on the talent level on the team. But I don't think the talent around them is, alone is going to save that pick. Jason, before we get to the thing of quarterbacks. Well, that's, that's right. Yeah. And before we get to quarterbacks overall with you, uh, Jason, I want to ask you, did, uh, did Mac Jones benefit in terms of narrative? Uh, do you agree with me and Chris from the rise of uh, honorary Bobcat Joe Burrow, what he did the previous year here, and, and causing all these false comparisons that have benefited Mac Jones? <laughs> Okay, the Bobcat thing's not going away, right? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the Joe Burrow Bobcat. Okay, I, I, I can handle it. I can handle that going in. Um, okay, so like you guys, taking a look around the national landscape, any time I hear Mac Jones' 
name. I go, all right, let's just see how we're going to pump this nonsense up. Because uh, I might be a little bit more on one side of this, even than you guys are. When I watch Matt Jones, I see a quarterback, and I don't want to say he's a system guy, but I do think the right system will dramatically help. And if that system has a priority on, let's say, football IQ over football measurables, that can be helpful. But... I, I don't I don't see it at all. Um, I think if you take Mac Jones and you put him on North Dakota State, right? Right. Or you put him on uh, or Florida, right? Right. With, um, trap. Um, I don't. I, I think he's someone we don't even look at right now. I don't think he makes the top two hundred. But because it's Alabama, because it looked good, sort of. Um, I think he is going to go in the first round. I just don't have him going anywhere close top 10. Um, and I don't mean to say that for shock value. I legitimately think that he would fall regardless. And it just so happens that New England is going to be sitting there at 15. And I think Belichick in particular might have a moment's pause there and seriously consider it. Because what was Tom Brady when he came in? Apparently he was a smart kid. Didn't look that, that great physically. But he fit what Belichick wanted to do. And I think they can do that. But I honestly think if he's if he's, he's not going in the top ten, I, I'm, I'm with Chris. The San Francisco thing is smoke and mirrors. There's no way on earth you give up that level of asset to move up and take a guy who looks meh at best, right? Right. So he's probably going in the middle teams, which puts New England in play. If New England says no, I would not be shocked if he falls as an Aaron Rodgers-like dissension because I really think he looks that unimpressive. And if you take away... The two or three receivers he's got, the couple tight ends he had, the offensive line, and the running back, I dare anyone to tell me what is so spectacular about Mac Jones. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, and, and the fact that his rise, I mean, quarterback is always the signature position of silly season. But, uh, you know, you, I, I, I get the Wilson thing in a way, as far, I mean, as, as contemptuous as I am of putting that much emphasis on workouts. Uh, I mean, I get it to a degree, and again, I think Josh Allen, uh, if if we're talking comparisons, him coming in from a mid-major in the West and making it work at the pro level probably benefits as well in terms of uh, comparisons there. Uh, There was a time, you mentioned Trask, there was a time when it seemed like he might have been going pretty high, but that has not materialized the way that it's going. You have Lance, the small school guy. I know you feel the same as me, Jason, that Fields probably should be the number two guy, certainly no lower than three based on the body of work. I feel like, again, in terms of comparisons, he really got hurt, as stupid as it is. One thing has nothing to do with another, uh, but the way that Haskins kind of imploded in Washington there and the whole narrative, and you and I have a, you and I have a Facebook friend, uh, Jason, uh, good old Don Peterson from the Sports Talk Network, who can't let go of the fact that Ohio State's never had a great NFL quarterback. Well, what does that have to do with Justin Fields, though? I mean... Uh, and again, Haskin was never a guy, you looked at him, where he could run as well as throw. Fields can really kind of do it all. Uh, he, he's been an elite-level prospect since before he came to college. He was a high-level recruit uh, to Georgia back in the day. Uh, and it's a thing where, again, Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people are saying best overall prospect at quarterback since Aaron Luck. I was actually saying that about Darnold a couple of years ago, and like I said, I remain unconvinced that that wouldn't have been the case had he gone to an actual NFL franchise instead of the dumpster fire that is the Jets. Uh, but again, Trevor Lawrence. So it's showing that even somebody like Sam Darnold could fail 
if in the wrong circumstance. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is somebody that I see as a can't-miss kind of a player. I don't know if that'll be right off the bat or not, but uh, talk about this very fascinating landscape at quarterback, Jason, and where you see the top uh, guys kind of fitting into the fabric of the league. Well, the interesting thing about quarterback this year, uh, this year specifically, is that, and this happens every now and again, but Trevor Lawrence was penciled in number one in 2019. Yep. And no one seems to want to waver from that. And if I'm Jacksonville, or at least a fan of Jacksonville, um, the thing that scares me a little bit about Trevor Lawrence has absolutely nothing to do from the neck down. I mean, if you're just looking at his physical abilities, I totally get it. The problem I have with Trevor Lawrence, for lack of a more technical explanation, is his sort of John Elway from California-esque sort of mentality where nothing really phases him. He doesn't really care about anything, but he's good at football. Um, and there's been some, some traction, let's say, at the notion that Trevor Lawrence does not need football. Trevor Lawrence can live without football, and he'd be fine. And if I'm Jacksonville, did we do all of that just for someone to take four bad losing seasons on the chin and walk away? So I do have some concerns, but it's not about his football ability. Um, then with Zach Wilson, I get it. Everyone's scouting report is basically the same. You wish he was taller, but he's got really good arm talent. Okay, that's fine. But when it comes to Zach Wilson, I'm specifically taken back to this idea, since we're going to circle this back around to Ohio State quarterback. Um, I've got a weird sort of Terrell Pryor vibe going on. And that is that Terrell Pryor was fantastic at the things that he was good at. But when you take what he's good at versus what he's not good at, you put him in the NFL, you go, yeah, it's not going to really work for very long. And eventually he's going to have to get better at some things. So my question with Zach Wilson is, yeah, he can throw it, but what if he ends up on a team, ten Jets, that don't have a great offensive line, um, and he can't do those little dainty running and throwing little tricks that he's so accustomed to doing? I don't think that's going to work, just like the same reason we think that uh, Lamar Jackson might not, not play at this level forever, because he's not built to do it any other way. So Zach Wilson worries me a little bit. But I get why the Jets are in love with him, and I, it is the narrative machine at work, and it is what it is. And to Chris's point, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if I'm looking at the top five quarterbacks, Zach Wilson might be one of them I'm worried about. I'm not saying he's got bust potential, but I don't know that he's going to be the pedigree quarterback they think he is. That brings us to Justin Fields, who I think should be the second overall quarterback and the second overall pick, but... When we talk about the San Francisco thing, I think Shanahan isn't crazy about Jimmy G because Jimmy G fits a certain thing, and I think he wants options. You're not getting options with Mac Mac Jones. But you get Fields in there running that offense, and I can see why you might want to move up to top three and get that guy. Trey Lance worries me a little bit. Body works part of it. But if it's raw talent and and you you can build on that, okay. All right, it's quarterback league. You're going to take quarterback high. I personally think talent-wise, he's probably 20s and beyond, but I think we're going to see him go in the top 10. And then that brings us finally to Max Jones, which we kind of touched on. Um, I think if he goes to the right place, he might be moderately successful. But if anybody is watching the draft or fancies themselves an, an analyst on any level and wants to tell me with a straight face that Max Jones is one of the more talented quarterbacks in this draft class, I will laugh in their face. So I don't, I don't understand that one. There's some value later, but really, the game the game of quarterback here comes down to 
Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Fields. And I think if Trevor Lawrence is in it and they start winning, I think he's going to be fine and he'll be probably a future Pro Bowl level player. Uh, I think Justin Fields will prove in short order, maybe within the first two years, uh, to be the guy that should have gone to. I think so as well. I uh, I agree with that. Before we get start getting to some of the best players, kind of regardless of position and some of the situations that we're going to be keeping an eye on during the draft, the other position that I want to hit with you guys, because it's very, very, very noteworthy, is wide receiver. Because we're at a point now, going back to 2014, and I've been making the point on the show and making the point also in our draft guide, Pro Football Draftology 2021, that we are in a golden age of top-flight wide receiver talent in the NFL, that 2014 draft and some of the ones subsequently. Because I was saying at the time, you have to go back to 96 to really find what was as great of a draft as 2014, and we've kept churning them out. And this year, again, a top-level draft, the two guys from Alabama, Devontae Smith and, of course, uh, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase from LSU, any one of those three could be the first wide receiver to go. The next two guys, uh, you drop down a little bit, but the next two guys, uh, most people would tell you, are both from the Big Ten, whether it be uh, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota or Rondale Moore of Purdue, and you keep going from there. Good depth as you go along in the middle rounds, certainly a team like the Browns that might be looking for the future at wide receiver when uh, the days of uh, OBJ and Landry maybe in a year or so uh, when they may not be paying those contracts anymore, there's a chance for teams to plan for tomorrow with some of the talent, second, third, fourth round, etc. So, Chris, talk about this wide receiver draft, uh, both in the context of the players involved and some of the things that they might be able to do, and then also how it fits into the pattern of the league. We closed the year, the year 2020 uh, with, at a very, very, very high point of number one wide receiver talent in the league, and it's only going to be bigger in 2021. Well, you've, you've nailed the uh, the nail right on the head uh, with your assessment of this class and the overall talent that's being developed uh, at wide receiver. Um, I think you're going to see as many as, could be as many as 12 wide receivers in the first two rounds. Wow. Maybe it's 10, but I, I th- probably 10 is where I'm putting the over-under, but you could see as many as 12 uh, go in the first two rounds. I think there's going to be a there's going to be a real run on them, and there's there are guys in this draft class that can play, and and there's guys all the way down the board uh, that can play. You know, you're getting all the way down into third and fourth round for a guy like Anthony Schwartz out of, out, out of Auburn, who's just an absolute you know burner, and um, who can make plays. You know, he's he's probably going to be a third rounder, is my guess. But you're talking a guy that could that could play in this league for a long time. Um, you've got guys, uh, you know, North Carolina going in the second round. A guy like uh, Deami Brown out of North Carolina, um, another one, just huge playmaking ability. Um, number three in his college career, behind only I think it was uh, basically Waddle and Chase in terms of, uh, or sorry, Smith and Chase in terms of over 20 yard catches. I mean. Just a just a great playmaker, Rondale Moore, blazing fast four three speed. Um, you worry about health and size with a guy like him out of Purdue. He's um, injury prone. He's only five seven, hundred and eighty pounds. Um, and and I would say the same thing about Devontae Smith. Amazing talent, six feet tall, 
but he's 170 pounds. Um, I worry about that, you know, in terms of his um, ability to, to stay healthy in, in, at the next level. But you've got, you even got some great mid-major talent. You've got uh, Eskridge out of Western Michigan, who's probably a third or fourth round talent and, you know, could have a really long career. He's a lot like, uh, in my opinion, he's a lot like Rondale Moore, a little undersized, but man, is he, you know, four, three speed, blazing fast playmaker. Um, and then, um, even a guy that I, you know, this is, he's going to be in my, uh, sort of, a. I really like this kid out of Iowa. who's going to be one of my dark horses, um, Smith Marset, um, six feet, you know, not exactly, he's not exactly, uh, blazing fast, but he's, you know, he's four, four, five, roughly. Okay. Um, I, he underutilized in Iowa, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I I like him as one of these guys you can grab in, I don't know, maybe the fifth or sixth round, um, who could emerge uh, a lot like uh, Peoples-Jones did with the Browns last year, where he didn't have a great college career in terms of stats, um, but he's got he's got all the uh, intangibles that you'll love to see. Um, so, this, I mean, this is a very deep class, and... Um, if you, to your point earlier about some of these position groups, if you need one or two wide receivers to, to, to develop, you know, after the first, you know, top three or four in the class, they're there for the taking. They are. It's an excellent, excellent year to be in that kind of a situation. And, uh, Jason, this is just a thing here where there are a number of teams. I know you and I had talked about this off air that, uh, of course, the, the Dolphins being my 1A team, I'm just salivating at being able to get maybe Devontae Smith to be able to pair up with Tua there. I'd also like to see either ATN or Harris uh, taking that running back. I mean, you, you could get your triplets in the draft right there to go with Tua. I mean, there are so many teams that could benefit. The, the Dolphins are just the most obvious one uh, from this deep class of wide receiver. And when people are, are looking more and more at the explosive nature of this league and that it's it's routine now to have a 4,000-yard quarterback and there's almost something wrong if you don't have one that throws for more than that, and the high-octane nature of the league, this is the turbocharging right here. It is the fact that the wide receiver position, dare I say, could maybe be at an all-time high as it is, and you inject these guys into the mix, wow. It's uh, The league is just going to get more explosive off of what comes off of this draft class at wide receiver. You know, that was a little creepy just then. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Chris <laughs> is just reading off my wide receiver position ranking. I didn't send him, uh, Jason. I didn't send him. He everything. doesn't have yours. <laughs> <laughs> everything down to like the rounds you think they're going in was, was spot on. Um, now, yes, the league is in a place where you need the ability to get up and get out quickly. And the fastest way to do that is with receivers that can get loose, turn the top off, you know, fight for balls, all that good stuff. The interesting thing here, the two at the top that I have essentially one and two on the receiver board, have a unique opportunity to end up going to their college quarterback team. Right. Which is interesting. It's not a requirement by any stretch, but hey, uh, you, you shorten the, the learning curve. Um, there's probably a, you know, an established relationship there. Things will probably go smoothly for those two guys. Um, and real quick, since you mentioned Devontae Smith, um, I'm going to say something. It is not deeply rooted analysis. It's just something that I can't unsee when I watch him play. Okay. And for some people, they're going to say that's ludicrous. And some people are going to go, 
Wait a minute. Uh, Devontae Smith, to me, looks exactly like Randy Moss if Randy Moss was six foot one. Wow. Which means he has the same concerns coming in that Randy Moss did. And that was, can a guy at six foot four at 200 pounds really make it? Well, if he's crafty enough and if he knows how to use that frame, he can. And when you watch him, yeah, he's not going to overpower guys. He's not going to push a, a corner out of his way. But he finds interesting, crafty ways to get the ball and shield it. And so far, it hasn't been an issue. Now, as a prospect, am I concerned about 170 pounds? Yes. <laughs> but he, he looks legit. And if that at all, in any way, shape, or form, pans out, he will be worth the, the draft pick level that I have him going at. Now, after we leave those two, though, it, everyone you're looking at, has something you love, but they also have something that's not perfectly ideal. So, Waddle is smaller than I'd like him to be, but he's electric. I really like Kadarius Tony out of Florida, but only if you're going into it, deciding you're going to utilize him in the kicking game. Bateman's interesting. I mean, you look at him, Minnesota doesn't really impress anybody, but man, he he's another one of these guys, he, I don't know how to say it, he's crafty. He knows that when the ball's in the air, how to position himself to be successful. Uh, which is something not all these guys have. Uh, then we start getting down the list. Uh, Marquez Stevenson from Houston's another one of these guys that I think is really kind of like a poor man's Tyreek Hill. You look at him, you know, he's fast and shifty, but he also doesn't go down. Um, and then, of course, hey, out of USC, we've got my favorite royal family with another safe Brown. We'll see if this one pans out. <laughs> uh, a little bit smaller. Uh, but, I, I, they're, they're, you know, they're like the grammaticas. I just I keep waiting for one of them to pan out. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But then to Chris's point, after you get out of like the top ten of these, that's not to say you're out of the running. There's some good talent here. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned Eskridge from West Western Michigan, uh, Smith Marset from Iowa, uh, Anthony Schwartz was another one that we mentioned. There's a lot in here to like. The question is, do these guys necessarily fit what you're trying to do, or are you trying to put a square peg in a round hole? And I think for the most part, yeah, I've got 13 guys with top two round grade. So, again, Chris nailing it. Um, I would not be shocked at all if we saw 12 receivers go in the first two rounds because it's that kind of draft. Now, it may not be that the first 15 of those tw- you know, 20-some receivers coming off the board are not all going to be wide receiver ones. They're not going to be your prototype number one guy deep threat. But you can get production out of, like, the top 20 of these wide receivers. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, by the way, just to clarify uh, on that, like I said, uh, I had not sent, uh, Chris, any of your stuff yet. So, uh, suffice it to say, great minds think alike as far as this goes. Uh, also, no, no, bi- no Biden plagiarism here. I have not yet seen Jason's Bible, so... He, he was not the Neil Kinnock to your Joe Biden, essentially. An obscure 1988 political reference. Look it up, kids. But also, as far as it goes, uh, Jason, just to clarify, as far as the concerns being the same with Devontae Smith and Randy Moss, we do not have any concerns that Devontae Smith was being sold weed by Jason Williams. So just while we're on this here, yes, yes, you're, you're talking about comparisons on the field. 